0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here we are, Jake, back for another week of nuggets of wisdom, pearls of self-help goodness, (laughs) uh, affirmations, and things you can repeat to yourself in the mirror to make you feel good about yourself.
1: Isn't that right, Jake? That's absolutely right. I actually read that we are catching up on both Oprah and Tony Robbins as far as being consulted for good advice. Here goes
0: the meteoric advice. Just,
1: <laughs> Just kidding. You don't want to come to us for good advice, but you can come to us as always here on same old song for good news. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we, <laughs> and <laughs> we but before ta- the good news, the bad news, we got a
0: little Jeremiah coming up. Uh, yeah. who's always kind of in a bad mood but for good reason uh, so yeah we're we're, mm-hmm. we're getting ready for this is Labor Day Sunday so if you're listening to this dear listener uh, early on that week heading into Labor Day Sunday there is a chance you might not be in church uh, so mm. so and if
1: you and if And if you're going to church, uh, there's a chance that you'll find a pew because there will only be uh, eight other people in there, so uh, at least you're in New York City. So, uh, but uh, (laughs) That's right, and if you're um, a preacher, you know, you can
0: feel free to maybe take some risks this Sunday because, you know, only ten people will be there to hear you uh, flop or or knock it out of the park, either way. But just feel free and know that you can relax Mm. and just have a
1: good time up there. I always find Labor Day Sunday is a great day to, speaking of good advice, to read um, The Giving Tree, or um, or the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. So <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, I'm alerting Jake's <laughs> bishop. Just kidding. But uh, yeah, um, don't do you that. You know, we begin. You we begin forget. Here, you though. forgot the
0: prophet by Khalil Gibran, or quoting from yeah. The Alchemist.
1: because <laughs> <laughs> because nobody's there. And so anyway, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, there is a collect for Labor Day, or for or for you there know is. stuff like that. So you can remember that, folks, if you want to talk about that. But workers of the world, unite! Uh, Labor Day. It's Mm. not about barbecue and beer. It's actually about uh, you know unions and uh, the communism. Well, (laughs) I don't push it that, Jake. Come on. (laughs) Let's keep the five remaining listeners we have.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we do begin, and actually, the collect for this Sunday is very powerful. I think it really sets the theme and the tone for our upcoming readings, and it says. Um, the, the prayer that we pray, we're going to pray that, we, that God grafts in our hearts the love of his name, and, so, and through that increase in us true religion, so the gospel, which then nourishes us with all goodness, the gifts and mercy of God, and that is what brings forth in us the fruit of good works. So it always, the fruit of good works comes forth from a good root that's been nourished and cultivated with all goodness that comes forth from true religion, which is the love of Jesus' name. And uh, we see in our readings today kind of one of the operating themes that runs throughout it is the idea of um, actually when we think that we need to accomplish something, when uh, we um, are trying to uh, have the fruit define the root, if you will, which is always bad works and bad fruit. And so, and we begin to see this with Jeremiah chapter two, verses four through 13.
0: Yeah, that's right. And you know, the the key in that collect, the word you always wanna look for is the word heart. It's all over Anglican Mm -hmm. liturgy and Anglican prayers because there's a realization that with Jeremiah, we agree that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so the human heart naturally does not want to follow God. And so that's why we need the love of God's name to be grafted Mm -hmm. into our hearts. It's actually a foreign concept for for us. So, and we see that, as you said, in Jeremiah two, so Jeremiah is preaching a word to people that are gonna are about to go into exile, and he's kind of warning them. And this is him laying out the case um, in an extended argument, kind of showing them the the uh, their offenses. And so he begins with uh, pointing out uh, that they went after worthless things and became worthless themselves. Mm-hmm. So and this is what idolatry yeah. does. And he's speaking specifically about about idolatry, and you know. God has been in this covenant relationship with his people, and yet from the beginning, they've been um, scanning the room for a better deal, looking for mm. looking for somebody who's a little bit more prestigious, maybe a little bit wealthier, a little bit more attractive, somebody who will give them what they want, looking for that greener mm. grass on the other side. But what God is pointing out to hear through Jeremiah is that they're chasing after illusions. The, the grass is not mm. greener. These are actually worthless things. And when you chase after something worthless— you become worthless yourself, meaning, uh, mm. you know. You, uh, you are become, what you worship. Yeah, you become empty. Um, and we've all known people that have sort of chased whatever demon or whatever um, kind of thing that was ultimately insignificant and find themselves just sort of lost on the other side of that. Um mm. Uh, and it's it's sort of cliche, but all the people that find fame and they get to the top of the mountain and they realize there's nothing there, or or people mm-hmm. that think that once they get married and have kids, which again are great, great, wonderful. But if that's your idol, if that's going to give you meaning. You get married and you have kids and you realize right. that oh I'm still me and I still got problems and <laughs> it hasn't solved who I am at a fundamental level. So, so the and I've just added a needy addition to my life. That's right. And so yeah. <laughs> that's right. Why am I not happy? So these um, these people uh, and, and God um, uh, uses really power or, speaking through Jeremiah really powerful language. You know I gave you this mm. land in verse seven. It was amazing. I brought you to paradise, but you basically Lorax, that whole thing, you just, you're, I yeah. guess the onceler did it with the thneeds, you know, he just took, cut down everything and destroyed it and turned it into a, a, a refinery or something, it's just, yeah,
1: and the really, everything. I mean, the powerful thing is, is that, um, you know, we always talk about using illustrations when you preach, and what Jeremiah is doing here is using, um, like, a, kind of a, um, a, a a way to divorce, uh, the way people divorced in those days, and using kind of the Deuteronic, Deuteronomic, Divorce found in Deuteronomy 24. I mean, the idea is: is hear the how, hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord: What wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? This was like you had to like state it in a question before you separated from your bride, and uh, and so and here he lays out the case. Basically, since the moment I brought you out of is out of Egypt. You people have been worshiping nonsense. You've gone after other things. You've gone after worthless things, and uh, and it is really, really terrible what you've done. You're fools. And this is the thing. Here comes the um, uh, here comes the charge, if you will. And it says uh, in verse uh, nine: Therefore, once more, I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. And so, and he uses this thing, cross the coast of Cyprus and, send, uh, and look and send to Kedar. This is basically, look around the world and see if we've found anyone as silly as you. Because I delivered you from Egypt. I did all these miracles in your midst. And yet, you worshipped other gods. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he is really, really laying it down. And he's saying, you know, have the other nations changed their gods? And their gods aren't even living. And yet, you people... Um, have been worshiping nonsense. And uh, so this is a heavy charge. However, we're coming to the gospel here, and this is, but my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. The point being, in the midst of faithlessness, Yahweh is still faithful. And although this is a wayward people whom he is furious with, um, he still calls them his people. Mm. And uh, this is a very powerful thing. And, you know,
0: this is something that... uh you, if you preach on this passage, you're going to have to help your people see how it connects today because none of us think of idolatry in the same way. I mean, these these the, the people of Israel were definitely worshiping actual other deities. They were attracted to the Egyptian gods or the Babylonian gods or the Assyrian gods or whatever, and it was an actual religion that you could go to places and get idols and worship them and do that sort of stuff and we don't think in that way post enlightenment and we're so smart and whatever but I think about somebody like uh, Reese Witherspoon's character in Big Little Lies who's married to mm. this great guy this wonderful provider he's solid he's trustworthy he's thoughtful um, and she has this kind of torrid affair with the local theater producer Um and she kind of realizes when it all comes out, you know, that basically she was running after something. She had something amazing, and she ran after something that seemed exciting at the time, but really ended up being worthless. And, you know, if you've seen Sideways, that Paul Giamatti movie about wine country, mm. and it's they're going. This, his friend, played by Thomas Hayden Church, is getting married. He's engaged to this incredible woman, incredible family, and the guy can't help himself. He's just a total womanizer and keeps going after other people who... Uh, you know, don't have what his fiancé has and, um, and, you know, or pick whatever example. If you have – so many people have something sort of good in their lives and yet they engage in self-destructive behavior for whatever reason, short-term pleasure, escapism, childhood trauma, whatever, but mm-hmm. we human beings shoot ourselves in the foot all the time. Uh, we run after things that ultimately leave us feeling empty and worthless, even though right in front of us is something good and great. And so this is, um, and Jeremiah points that out at the end. He says, here I am, a fountain of living water. You'll never run out. You'll never be thirsty. I, it's right here gushing up forever. And of course, this is where we start thinking about Jesus because he says, I'm living water. Mm-hmm. And instead, 4. Of, mm-hmm. instead of taking that living water, they say, I, I think I'd rather dig my own well. Uh, and so mm. they dig a cistern for themselves and it's you know there's this dark irony. It's a cracked cistern, and it can't even hold water. So here we run from the thing that gives us life, and we try to find something else that will. But actually, mm. it's it ends up being worthless. So there's a mercy in calling people out of idolatry. There's mercy in there because it's it's something that will ultimately kill you. But uh, mm. anyway, so it's a it, this
1: this would be a heavy thing to preach, but I think uh, it's a good word. Yeah, I think I think the good word is is that ultimately there is um, there the the good word in Jeremiah here in this passage is that there's nowhere that will actually give you rest mm. because there's only one living God. Um, everything else will ultimately fall short. And um, I think your illustration from uh, Big Little Lies is a really good one. And uh, I love at the very end that. Um, the husband reconciles with her mm. at the at the very end of it's the, beautiful. the season. Yeah, it's super beautiful, and he's like, you know, and he's like, you know, we'll do this. We'll say vows again for better or worse, but not your worse. And, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it was so amazing. And then she was like, I want to have a big party. And he was like, no, just the family. And it was like, but this, like this woman who is really identified with all of her stuff yeah, because of this love that comes to her is converted. And she's like, yeah, let's just do it. The family, you and I. And, um, I thought that was like a very powerful illustration. And that's a great illustration, I think, for Jeremiah yeah, and, and uh, what this is all about.
0: Yeah, and I think, preacher, if you're going to talk about this, make sure you have done some self-examination about what your cracked cisterns are. Please don't <laughs> yeah. preach this from a place where you think you are um, immune from this kind of thing. Um, and sometimes even in your ministry, that can become your idol and your cracked cistern. Mm. If you're, uh, You know, I think every pastor can relate to having... Setbacks uh, and challenges in ministry, and I think sometimes in those things are reminders that <laughs> you are not the Messiah and you are not right. you are not God's gift to the church. And um, and ultimately, it's God's church, and He'll do what He wants with it. And and um, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, there's some mercy in seeing that sometimes we've put our hope in other things, and and. Mm. Uh, And God always invites us to trust, not in ourselves and our own righteousness and our own accomplishments and our own cisterns, but to come back and trust in Christ. And remember, he is the source of living water.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why we, um, we begin to trust in, our, in other things and run after other gods is because so much of our life is lived prescriptively. Mm. And this is an important uh, way to not read Hebrews chapter 13, um, our epistle reading today. This should be read descriptively. Um, the author opens up by saying, let mutual love continue. And, yep. uh, you know, this mutual love that flows from the living water, which is Jesus, comes to us in our baptism which converts us and we hear Sunday after Sunday in the gospel preached this begins to conf- this begins to conform us into his image where then be- we begin to live this life descriptively everything that flows forward
0: yeah and so what what Jacob is uh saying here folks is that when he says Prescription. Uh, this is a sermon that's going to tell you how to live. Let me give you steps. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a formula. Let me give you some rules to follow. And Jake, you and I have heard many sermons, and maybe even in earlier days preached sermons like this, or uh, mm. Um, mm. and where we tell people what to do. And of course, there's things in Hebrews thirteen that are, you know, it tells you some things to do: keep your lives free from money. Uh, keep the marriage bed undefiled. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that means don't fart at night mm-hmm. in your bed next <laughs> to your wife. Uh, don't Please don't do that. So, no
1: hot boxes. No mm-hmm. hot boxes once you get hitched.
0: <laughs> so uh, no, it, it tells you things to do. And so you could get up there and be tempted to say, do these things or don't do these things. Mm. Um, but as Jacob, you very rightly say, this is this is the author of Hebrews painting of a picture. What does mutual love look like? Let me show you. It means mm-hmm. it looks like showing hospitality to strangers. It looks like caring for people in prison. And um, mm-hmm. and by the way, that kind of gives you uh, um, some of the context for what's happening. This is the the Hebrews is here kind of wrapping up here, and mm-hmm. uh, and the author is thinking about all these different things. He wants to sh- show his people, and uh, and actually, some people think that. I don't know. Who knows? Junia, the apostle, was the writer of Hebrews, but who knows?
1: Really, we I don't know. It was Barnabas. So, but anyway, people
0: have theories. A- <laughs> Nobody knows for sure. But uh, he, the the speaker here, says, "Remember those who are in prison and who are being tortured, um, which is because there are Christians who are in prison and being tortured, yeah. as this person is right." So, these are people that are tempted to go back to the cistern of self reliance because the Jesus mm-hmm. way is one that might cost you a lot, and so. Uh, this person at the end of the passage here is reminding them that God is your helper. God will not uh, mm. drop you on your head. So uh, trust yeah. Him. Don't don't trust in your. You know, you could think maybe if I abandon Christianity, I'll be safe. You know, because all idolatry ultimately is worship of self. So I'll go back to just me and I'll be okay and I won't risk anything. But mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a false idol. It's, there are so many people. I know, who, do, who choose not to do something because they're afraid something bad might happen. So they just choose the status quo or just go back to what we were doing before, and now you're safe. And then you get hit by a bus or, you know, the bottom falls out in some other way. There's this illusion that you can control things and that you can make yourself safe or whatever, and you just can't. Um, so the, the author here reminds people, God is your helper, no one can do anything to you. God is always yeah. with you, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning, the one who gave Himself for you is—that's still His heart today and always. So you can offer a sacrifice of praise, not one of atonement. You don't have to make up for yeah. anything. It's done. It's just a life of praise to, to God.
1: And that's uh, and that's a, I mean, you know, just what what Aaron is saying in this regard is like the the difference between atonement and a, and a sacrifice of praise is profound. Um, because what you're no longer doing is doing something for God, Yeah. because God has done everything for you. He is your helper, and you will not be afraid. Um, but the idea is, is that now you offer your life up as a sacrifice of praise to God. What does that mean? You're living your life for the sake of your neighbor. That is the fruits of the lips that confess His name and share that true faith and true religion with others, mm. not neglecting to do good and share with what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God, and that's because you're living your life for Jesus and your neighbor. Um, and uh, and that is uh, where God meets us, is in the face of our neighbors. And so, but really, this is this is what what. What uh, the author of Hebrews is saying here is, is that this flows out of true religion. This flows out of what God has already done for you, out of the living water, not out of the cistern that you're building to self-reliance to hopefully please God. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yeah. when we find ourselves trying to please God, you know, that's where we find ourselves in this gospel reading in Luke chapter 14, uh, pining for the top seat. Now, this is a very interesting gospel because a lot of Episcopalians, we like to, when we come into church, sit in the back pew, and we think that we're fulfilling this law by sitting in the back pew. Um, I know in my church right now, I mean, the the first four pews are completely empty because everyone sits in the back, but this isn't what Jesus is talking about. Maybe it's because you spit a lot
0: when you preach, Jake. Is that why they just want to...
1: It could be. It could be, You should put ponchos uh, in the front row. No, we did put splash guards up right by the (laughs) the altar rail, so, but... uh, so that can't be it. So, but uh, um, the idea here is is that G- Jesus is uh, actually this is becomes a living illustration of what Jeremiah in the book of Hebrews is all about.
0: Yeah. So you know he's sitting in a place. He's wa- Jesus is watching people on the Sabbath. So this is supposed to be the day of rest and trust and. Holiness or whatever, but even on the Sabbath, the human heart, which loves itself and not God, um, comes into a banquet and they all choose the place of honor. They look for the best mm. spot. Um, this is what I do every time I walk into a movie theater. I don't want to be in the very back, or the very front, mm. I want to be in the middle. Uh, people in church, like you say, exactly have the place I want to be. My kids always fight for shotgun, you know, they always. Want to be in the front mm. seat? There's major negotiations and bribery that happens to secure those positions, and um, and when we grow up, we're just the same. So, uh, Jesus tells this story about a host, and one person takes the great spot, and one person takes the not so great spot, and, and he's saying basically, when you go, you should sit in the lower place and be invited, friend, move up higher, um, as opposed to being self, kind of self-involved uh, and. In, trying to make yourself better and so you sit in the high place but then you ask you get us to move down and,
1: and it's important to remember that you're not taking the low seat because you're pious you know what i mean you're not taking the low seat because you're holy you're taking the low seat because as a sinner that's actually where you belong <laughs> Um, I th- and I think that's 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 what Jesus is getting at on a profound level here, is you take the low seat, not because, you know, oh, yes, of course, look at me, and I've prayer journaled as well. <laughs> um, it's, are you saying you only English seat, people are pious, Jake? Is that... Well, no, but that's just my pious Okay, voice. it's good. I like it. But anyway, um, that's how I read the Bible, in that voice. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, But that's where you belong at the end of the day. Yeah. You belong at the back because that's where you are as a sinner. And it is a gracious God who, by his shed blood on the cross, who calls you up calls you forward, calls you no longer slave but friend. Yeah, I mean, there's really there's two ways you can
0: live your life. You can live a life where you are trying to get it done and make it happen. You're living by your own wits and your own skills and you're uh, trying to amass gold stars and merit badges, um, which is this person who comes to the party and looks to advance him or herself. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can live a life where you honestly recognize your own... Um, sinfulness, frailty, fragility, um, waywardness, and all that sort of stuff. And you can trust in someone else. You can trust in Christ um, Mm. and not in yourself. And so this is an illustration of that. Are you the person that tries to jockey for the highest position? Are you the person that um, sees him or herself rightly and therefore trusts not in themselves Mm. but in in God? So again, it's the same thing as in Jeremiah. Are you going to trust God to give you living water or are you going to try to get out there and get it yourself? Are you, or, or in Hebrews, are you going to kind of trust in yourself as opposed to the risk of Christianity? Uh, um, or are you going to let Jesus be the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Mm-hmm. So all these passages are kind of getting at the same thing, worship of self and your own system or trusting in someone else. Um, and uh, um, I think um, the, the word that Jesus gives us here. Um, at the end is is kind of a description of what the gospel is like. I mean, it just shows us that this is how God acts towards you. It, um, uh, he sees yeah. you at the lowest place and invites you up
1: higher. Um, it's it's
0: a beautiful picture of grace.
1: Uh, yeah, and I mean that is it. You know, and ultimately, especially here in this Luke gospel, I think about this like story about um, a woman who had like. Um, woman who who desperately needed oranges, needed vitamin C for her sick child or whatever. And there was only one place where oranges grew, and that was um, in this king's backyard. And she she really wanted the oranges, and he gave her the whole bushel. And she said, please, sir, let me pay them. And he was like, you can't afford them. And she was like, well, let me give you something. And he was like, madam, it's either free or you can't have them at all. And, uh, I mean, that is the truth with the gospel and uh, with this banquet, is that he invites you to a banquet that you could never afford you can never pay back and so it's free or you can't have it at all and uh and that's really what he's saying here is is that you know you you can't afford to be here but i'm inviting you and i'm your source i am your comfort i'm your i'm everything yeah and uh you know when you you begin to see your life like that well then you begin to realize how sweet the gospel is and you'll invite every loser to the banquet you know amen i mean
0: because it's only it's only for losers so that means I can come to your party?
1: Uh, no, you're a winner. I, <laughs> no, I'm just
0: kidding. Well, you know, I think, so the other thing about, a, you know, looking at the the whole thread that's running just being kind of worship of self and being out there trying to make it on your own versus trusting in Christ and his righteousness, um, if you live on that self-oriented way... What this Luke passage I think shows us too is that we tend to see people as objects to be used in our Mm. system. So if you are very concerned Mm. in your status and your prestige and your social advancement, you will... Be, you will gravitate towards people that can advance your agenda, and you will tend to ignore people that cannot. And um, mm. but when you have had the love of God's name grafted into your heart, meaning you've been converted and you've trusted not in your own achievement but in God, which is what the collect, as you said at the beginning, Jake, is all about. Um, you the 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 fruit that starts to come from that root, the fruit of good works, is to now see people as people, and so you can now love the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. You can love the people that won't advance your social status whatsoever. Mm. Um, y- you can start seeing people as people. Not You see through whatever those exterior things are. You see th- past the Louis Vuitton bags and you see past mm. the, the uh, vacation homes. You see past the um, grocery cart stuffed with bags and bottles and items found on the mm. street. Whatever these things are that we start seeing people and putting them into the categories low and high, that begins to disappear, and you can treat people as people like you, someone who's a sinner who's been saved by grace.
1: That's great news, man, and that is a good place to, to be. And, to, you know, uh, Jesus does not see us as um, projects. Mm. He sees us as children. And, uh, you know, and uh, when you've been seen as a child, you can see others as children as well. Um, objects of God's love. Well, I think that'll wrap
0: us up for Labor Day weekend, Sunday, September first. Uh, Woo! So go out there, eat a hot dog, say a prayer, thanks for uh, labor unions, mm. and uh, and rest in Christ and not in yourself. See you next week. Bye bye.